0: A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth Will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the Word of God for the people of God. So Isaiah is addressing the question, where do people find hope in times of crisis, chaos, violence, attack, and loss? If you've read through chapter 1 through 10, You find that Isaiah is living in a time where the Assyrians, the northern neighbors to the Israelites, are coming after them. And not with peace in mind, not to coexist, but to conquer them. They are coming with military might. And Isaiah can see that this is going to be death and destruction for his people. Now, we don't live in the same context of having a military attacking us and crossing our borders but we sometimes feel like we are under attack. We can turn on the news and hear about any day of another murder in our city or someplace in our country or learn about where the last mass shooting was that day or the day before or the day before across our country. It can feel in a time of change and a time of violence that we're personally under attack. Of course, sometimes in our relationships, whether it's with friends or family, we get in disputes and we really are under attack personally and we're in a struggle to try to figure out how to make things right. Or sometimes we just get caught with an inner conflict, something that we are struggling with that has us so twisted up and confused that we feel like we're on the edge of disaster or defeat. Isaiah is writing. To answer those questions, where do we find calm or hope? Where do we find peace and safety? This passage says, look to the best of our tradition. Let's look to our tradition. Isaiah says there is new life and new hope possible, even when death and destruction seem to be all about. Listen to how he writes it in verse 1. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Isaiah's looking for new life, even out of places of death. It reminded me of my own struggle in our backyard. We have these volunteer trees that pop up and grow like weeds. I see them. I cut them down. A few weeks later, I look again, and they're back. So the last Spring and summer, I thought, I'm going to fix this. We have one particular one that's taken root right under the edge of the fence. It is a nuisance. So I cut it down, and then I really worked on that stump to destroy it. I thought, this time I've done it. But you know what happened a few weeks later? (laughs) I went out there, and there's another green shoot and another branch, and all of a sudden it's taller than I am, and it's time to cut it back again. But new life can come out of dead-looking stumps. Isaiah is using that image to say it can happen in nature, but it also can happen in our lives. Isaiah says it happens in life through the Spirit of the Lord coming upon a person. Verse 2 The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This new life, this new branch will come from our roots, Isaiah says, but lead us to a new place, a new place of peace and harmony. Any long-term, long-lived organization struggles with this balance between appreciating our past and preserving our tradition while also being relevant to the current generations. We have been around a long time as a church. We work on maintaining this balance of claiming the values of our tradition, and yet if we only focus on the past, we're no help to new people who are coming. Of course, if we only focus on them, then we lose some of the values and the wisdom from our tradition. The trick is to be able to balance both, to draw from the best of our tradition, but also be relevant to new people who are coming who have never heard and know nothing of our tradition. It's a balance that you have to work at to maintain. The trick is to believe in both the past and the goodness we find there and in the future and the goodness that we expect to find there as well. Isaiah says we can do it. Isaiah says that it starts with a person and then expands to the broader community. Now Isaiah is looking for a new leader in his time. You'll remember if you've been here the last couple of weeks as we've been talking about this, that Isaiah has already said the leaders we have are rotten. They have led the people astray. They are self-serving and Prideful and arrogant. They're serving only their interests. We need a new leader, and that's what Isaiah is describing. But hundreds of years later, when Jesus comes along, Christians see in this poetry, envisioning a new leader and a new community, a description of Christ. You can hear a parallel of that in the great Hymn of this season, O Holy Night. Do you know that story? It was originally written in French, but then translated to the English in 1855. The person here that translated in America was John Sullivan Dwight. I read the original translation and then his translation. I think he did a lot better than the Frenchman who did the original. The poetry is more powerful and more poignant i'm going to read you a few lines i think he captures these characteristics of this new leader that parallel what isaiah is saying this is verse three out of the hymn truly he taught us to love one another his law is love and his gospel is peace chains 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 shall he break for the slave is our brother And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Can't you hear the themes of this new leader's law is going to be love and his gospel or his proclamation is going to be peace? Because he's going to break the chains chains of injustice and oppression. I think you can even hear this idea that humans live in times of sin and error. Listen to this first verse, which is more familiar, I think. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees oh hear the angel voices oh night divine oh night when christ was born oh night divine oh night O night divine, it's the same good news that Isaiah is proclaiming centuries before in the sense that God can and will do a new thing. Now, our text goes on to describe it in verses 6 through 9, this peaceful or peaceable kingdom where those who often our enemies can live together in the natural world. It's beautiful verses of poetry trying to evoke our imaginations to begin to believe that this is possible, that God can do a new thing among us. Good news coming to us through poetry, through an invitation to think more broadly, to use our imagination To imagine what life might be like if we align our lives with God. Isaiah describes this scene of peace. Where there are no more enemies in a time in which he's living where war is coming right at him. It's amazing to me that even though he's imagining and living through this impending death and destruction, he can also imagine this peace that he believes God will bring if they have new leaders. He imagines how God can reorder relationships so that former enemies like lion and lambs and cows and bears can live together and coexist in peace and harmony. And he uses this prophetic hyperbole or this poetic language to try to break us loose to believe that that's even possible for humanity. It reminded me of the attitude of Abraham Lincoln after he was elected president. You remember, he was elected against all odds. Those whom he was running against were better educated, had better credentials, had more money, and somehow Abraham Lincoln was elected anyway. Anyway. And then he took some curious steps where he appointed some of his fiercest rivals, some would say enemies, to constitute his cabinet. And he was able to pull these people together through his own political savvy and personal winsomeness to work together to be the team that leads our nation through some of its darkest hours. You may have heard that story where during the Civil War, he gives a speech, and when he speaks of the Confederacy, he does not call names. He does not speak of them in derogatory terms. He rather speaks of them as if they're human beings, as fellow Americans, saying, but they are mistaken in this one matter. The story goes that afterwards a woman with a sharp tongue came up and accosted him and said, I cannot believe you did not call them out and call them enemies to be destroyed. The record says that Lincoln responded, "Why, Madam, do I not destroy them as enemies when I make them friends? What a powerful attitude of what it means to deal with conflict and offer forgiveness. In his reconstruction plans, you might or may not remember that he was suggesting we pardon all Southerners. Of course, he was assassinated and was not able to follow through on that plan. But what a great concrete example from our own American history of a person who understood this vision that Isaiah has that former enemies warring parties can coexist and live in peace and harmony Well, during advent we're to be about preparation for the coming of this christ child this incarnation of god's love that fits this ideal that isaiah described all those hundreds of years before this one will be the leader who's full of righteousness and faithfulness and will be the leader that can reorder all of creation and lead us to this place of peace and harmony and hope. So let me just suggest, before we close, one step we all could take to place ourselves, to put ourselves in a place where we are still and quiet enough to receive the Spirit of the Lord. Because that's what Isaiah says is the key is that the Spirit of the Lord is coming and will rest upon us, and that the Spirit of the Lord is the one that can lead us into this place of peace and harmony and hope. So, I don't know where that place of peace might be for you, it might be in your home or at school or in business, it might be here in the sanctuary. It might be in Rose Chapel at noon on Fridays for silent meditation. It might be outside walking in the park or somewhere else in nature. But wherever it is, find that place of peace. Find it. Be still. And expect the Spirit of the Lord to come and rest upon you.